Good morning, friends. Good morning. <laughs> I like that, Helen. Oh, good morning. <laughs> there is somebody who's going to talk up here, isn't there? <laughs> uh, so this, you know, this fall and winter, we've been thinking of, I don't have my stole to stash that on the side. We've been talking about uh, discipleship. And that uh, started with our reading of Being Disciples by Rowan Williams over the summer. And if you read Jay's note this morning or in your e-news on Friday, which I'm sure you all did, um, you'll see, well done, Carmen. You'll see that um, our next book is Being, Being Christian by Rowan Williams, a really wonderful book. I commend it to everyone. Uh, buy a copy. It's not very expensive, $10, $12. Um, you can also get it on, on Kindle. And there are four chapters on baptism, Bible, Eucharist, and prayer. So we'll use his book um, as a springboard into some of our conversations this winter. But today, we are looking at Mary as a disciple. You ever heard of her? So let's pray. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one. On this third Sunday of Advent, help us to watch and look and listen for the ways in which you want to break into this world, the ways in which you want to come into our lives. Help us like your servant Mary, uh, to say yes to your action in our lives, knowing that you are always uh, making us more fully who we are called to be, and that in our service and obedience to you, we find joy, we find freedom. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus, who is to come. Amen. Amen. I have a handout for you. <clears throat> Maybe a couple for each table. So you'll have to pass it around. You know, there's not a copy for everyone, I'm afraid. There. Yeah, just pass it, pass it around and give it a look. So everyone should have seen by now um, a painting by Henry Osawa Tanner. He was an African-American uh, artist. He put this piece of art together in the late 19th century, as you see, in 1898. It's an image that I've always loved since I first encountered it. Um, and it's the, it's the story, as I've given it away on your handout, uh, of the Annunciation. And here we see a young, a young Jewish girl in very simple quarters. It looks like she maybe only has a curtain of some sort to separate her from the rest of the house. And, um, and you see the bright light in the corner. This is um, Henry's representation, of course, of the archangel announcing to Mary uh, that she will bear a child. So here is that story from Luke chapter one. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. So the story of the Annunciation here in our, our painting that I want to reflect on with you just a bit is you can see that Mary does look perplexed, um, but she's also open. You know, she's not terrified. She has a look of, of perplexity on her face, but she's also looking in the direction of the angel. You know, she's not looking down. She is um, looking back at this messenger, just as the messenger is talking, is talking to her and sharing this, this great news. And Mary becomes the fulfillment of the wanting to be of God in our lives. The whole story of the Bible is God's wanting to be in our lives, for us to be in relationship with God, to be responding to God's love, God's generosity, God's grace. Um, and, and the story of scripture is, um, you know, humans not wanting God to be <laughs> in our lives, right? But for us to be gods, for us to be in control and to sort of manage things, thank you very much. But of course, we know that's ridiculous. We didn't create ourselves or anything else in the world. Um, that is just a pure gift, life. Um, and when we begin to accept that, we are liberated from thinking that we have to be at the center uh, of the universe and we can um, kind of open our hands and receive the gift that God has on offer. But it, it, it takes our response. And Mary, conceivably, could have said, no thanks, right? Uh, but she says, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Now, I say that Mary could have said no thanks, and that's true. She's not a puppet. Um, God knew who Mary was. Just as Mary knew who God was so deeply um, in the depths of her own being that God could act through her, so God knows Mary. God knows what God is doing by, by sending the messenger to Mary. And that's worth pondering, but it still takes her, her yes. Uh, I was in Nazareth in January and uh, got to participate in a, a liturgy at the Church of the Annunciation, which was really wonderful. Um, we started outside and we processed around the basilica and we went inside the church, this great procession, and you would go down and reverence the altar that I, I mentioned in my sermon in Advent 1, the word was made flesh here, right? Uh, the word was made flesh, we've heard that, but here in Nazareth, uh, this is the place where the church has been built around to say this is where 
the archangel announced to Mary this, this good news. Uh, and there were people from all over the world participating in that, that liturgy, which was, which was beautiful. Um, also, we went to uh, St. Anne's Church in Jerusalem. Do you remember that, Carmen? And who else was there who was, who's here now? Come, yeah, exactly. You remember that when we were at St. Anne's Church in Jerusalem? Um, and St. Anne is um, Granny Annie. <laughs> you know, the, the granny of God. Um, so Anne, you have, a, you have a good name and a big role to play. Um, so Granny Annie, you know, it's Jesus's grandmother, it's Mary's mother. <clears throat> and there's tradition here built up that this was Anne's place, her dwelling place. Um, and that she would have been really active in the, in the temple where the liturgy would have been taking place steps away from her home. And that's intriguing to me, just to think about Anne at the, you know, the place to be for liturgy, uh, for singing, for the word of God to be marinating in the depths of her soul since she was a little girl, um, and, and for her to be this faithful servant who's receptive to God's action in such a way that God's life can come through her. And, if, and the virgin birth shouldn't be that weird to us if we believe that God created something out of nothing. So if you want the virgin birth to be really, really weird, and it's really hard for you, which I understand how it is, um, but just make it, just think about the creation of the world out of nothing. That's, that's just as much of a miracle, more of a miracle than the virgin birth or the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Right? It is the spirit of God, the energy of God, hovering over uh, the world and calling things out of nothing into being. It's all a miracle. So I, I just want to sort of widen out the scope because we tend to get really kind of fixated on the kind of virgin birth that's so weird. The whole thing's weird. <laughs> you know, that God called anything at all into being and has called us. Right. And that Jesus has entered onto the stage of human history and preceding him are prophets and Israel, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob. The whole thing is wild, uh, but that's but but not irrational. Right. It, we this story makes sense of the depths of our own experience. It's strange. It's not perfectly reasonable to our little minds but it makes sense of the mystery of, of what it is to be a human being. So God works through Mary uh, in the same way that God has worked uh, through uh, calling all things into being and having, having the stars in the sky and, and the spirit moving over creation in the way that the spirit called the patriarchs and matriarchs and prophets. Uh, God is not done yet, but God acts decisively for us humans uh, in becoming human, speaks the language that we speak, gives us what we need to understand the mystery of God so that the invisible God becomes visible in our flesh. God from God, light from light. True God from true God. So here's Anne, nurtured by the liturgy of the temple, who becomes God's willing servant. So what do we have to learn from Mary in our discipleship? Go to the temple liturgy. Go, go to St. James. Go to liturgy. 
go to liturgy. It matters. It matters. Um, this is what Christians have done from day one. Gather together for the prayers and the breaking of bread when you feel like it and when you don't. You just commit. That's what it is. Follow me. Get here. Uh, I told the Bible study uh, last Wednesday one of my favorite quotes from a very esteemed Dominican friar. Um, he says, he's a very smart uh, Dominican. A Dominican friar is, you know, the, the, you know the order of, of the Dominicans? Yes. Very good. St. Thomas Aquinas was a Dominican. So he says, it's not where you're, so they're very smart, erudite people. It's not where your head is at, he says. It's not where your heart is at. It's where your ass is at. <laughs> and I think that's quite right. I really built it up with how smart he is, right? You, you thought I was going to give you something profound. It is profound. It is about where we turn up. It's about where we go. And, um, and, and that we're putting ourselves in the presence of the living God through Christ, who's mediated to us in scripture and sacrament and in one another. And we're putting ourselves in the way of God's action. We're putting ourselves in the way to let God be God in our lives, the wanting to be of God in our lives. And um, watch out when you do that, because God gets to work in our lives and changes us, changes our lives, the trajectory of it many times over. But you all probably have some kind of Pauline experience too, where you fell off the horse and were sort of blinded by the light. Um, but, it's, but this is a, a lifelong process. So learn from Mary and uh, Granny Annie uh, that you just, you go to church, you sing the songs, you say the prayers with the people of God when you feel like it and when you don't. And that's not about guilt or sort of obligation, right? So that, you know, I don't want you leaving sort of like, wow, the St. James priest is really guilting us into coming to church. <laughs> it is a gift that we're saying God has acted. I'm really excited about that and I, and I want to turn up or I'm really not sure how God is at work in my life or the world right now. And I'm just going to turn up because God has acted and I'm going to borrow the faith of my neighbor. Um, and, and let God be God in my life. Another thing to learn uh, from Mary's story is that she goes to talk about borrowing the faith of someone, companionship. She goes and she sees Elizabeth and John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb. I love that little part. John the Baptist is leaping for joy, even while in Elizabeth's belly. Um, but that where does she go? To her friend, to her cousin, Elizabeth. And, and shares this story of what God has done in her life. And Elizabeth is like, me too. Um, God's doing amazing things. And then, you know, there's a great painting of one of the masters where an old Elizabeth, because she's older than Mary by a long shot, um, you know, is, is receiving Mary by, you know, bending on a knee. So this, you know, this older woman who Mary should be genuflecting to because she's a, a matriarch, you know, she's she's lived the life of faith longer than this little kid. Um, but Elizabeth is is genuflecting in Mary's presence because Mary's carrying um, you know, God's word taking on flesh. Which raises a question for me too to think in that picture, the painting of, you know, what do the matriarchs, the older people in the faith have to teach younger people in the faith? That's a question worth pondering quite a lot is the answer, but really to kind of think about 
how are we learning, those of us who are younger in life, from those in the church who have been practicing this for longer than we have? Christina, did you have a question? Oh, I just wanted to say that um, I read that uh, Mary makes haste to go um, exactly. to Elizabeth. And I'm wondering why you know, she was in such a rush yeah. right away to, to share what she believed in Yeah. and to share it. Um, they talk about theocracy and uh, maybe that's part of the theocracy. It's not, you know, it's not about me. It's about what God has in store for us. Yeah, it's a, a theophany. What God has, what God has yeah. done, and you know, have you ever seen a really good movie, and uh, you can't wait to tell the first person that you see about how good the movie is? Right. You know, just amplify that times a million, um, and and there's Mary getting up with with haste. Then there's this story of Mary at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, at the beginning of John's Gospel, and do you remember what Mary says to the stewards? Um, who are who are to, you know asked to get the wine? What does Mary say? Do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. Um, right on, Mary. <laughs> that, that's a disciple. Do what he says. Um, listen to him. Watch him. Do what he says. Uh, so there's Mary as disciple, like John the Baptist, right, with the finger pointing to Jesus. I must decrease so that he can increase, and my life points to him. Listen to him. Look at him. Uh, so Mary is saying, yeah, don't look at me. Do what he tells you to do. Um, and, and, and God gets to work with the first sign in John's gospel. And then, of course, John chapter 19, where we find Mary at the foot of the cross. And in the painting that, that you have on your table, you'll see the, with the image, the abstract image of the, of the archangel Gabriel. Do you notice there's like a bookshelf of some sort of shelf? as a top line over that uh, inbreaking of light, which, of course, is a foreshadowing of uh, the sword that will pierce your own soul also, said, um, who, who was that? That's, um, who's my man in the temple when Jesus is presented? Simeon. Simeon. Simeon, uh, Simeon says, you know, now I can depart in peace for my, mine eyes have seen the Savior. But then... Um, uh, the sword is going to pierce your soul too, Mary. And this is, you know, the, the difficulty, the challenge, the agony of seeing her dear child, whom God has brought into the world, rejected, despised, murdered, um, executed by the state, hanging on a tree. Um, imagine, you know, just take it out of the religious story that we know and, and imagine you know, your boy or, you know, the, your loved person uh, being hung from a tree. It's devastating. Alexandra. Have scholars indicated an age that Mary was at the time of the Annunciation? You I know, mean, are we saying teenage years? Teenage. Adolescent? So she was an adolescent yeah. around and, and she didn't rebel. She just went ahead and moved forward right. with this. But are we looking like 14, 15, something yeah. like that? Early, early teenage years yeah. is, is what we think, is what the scholars think. Um, so, you know, she's teaching us in, in this painting and at the foot of the cross that discipleship is not all, um, it's not all rainbows and butterflies and, good feelings. It's costly. 
um, this, this way of following Jesus, this way of love, um, is going to come into contact with forces in the world that reject that. Demonic forces, dark forces, evil, sin. Um, and, and those who are taking responsibility for this light and this way of, of peace and justice are gonna bump into resistance. Um, so those, those are a few things anyway. You know, my three sermonic points of what Mary has to teach us. Her yes being formed through the liturgy. Um, her listen to what he says and her being there at the foot of the cross. Um, all the way, all the way to the end. And then Jesus says to the beloved disciple, John, behold, this is your mother. Mom, this is your son. And we learned that she went in and lived, you know, with John. And she was there in Acts of the Apostles, um, helping to lead the church, the early church, which must have been really something to be like, Mary's coming to church today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever church that was, must have been pretty cool. Um, so I want you to think about this for a minute. What are you most afraid that God will ask you to be or do, right? So Mary is perplexed, no doubt afraid about what God is asking her to be and do, namely the most important thing in the history of the world. Um, so reflect with your uh, companions at your table. What are, you, what are you most afraid that God will ask you to be or do? Just a casual coffee conversation. <laughs> and, if you don't, and if you really struggle with that, what do you think are some of the ways that older people could help younger people in the journey of faith? So I invite you, um, I invite you to uh, continue the conversation for a few minutes. I'm going to run upstairs. I believe I'm the celebrant at the 1115. Make sure everything's ready to go. Uh, but feel free to carry on the conversation if you have a couple minutes. But I'll end with this prayer, which is in our prayer book for March the 25th, which is exactly nine months before December 25th. See what we did there? Uh, so the Feast of the Annunciation is kept March 25th every year. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Pour your grace into our hearts, O Lord, that we who have known the incarnation of your Son, Jesus Christ, announced by an angel to the Virgin Mary, may by his cross and passion be brought to the glory of his resurrection who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A really helpful reminder, too, in that Annunciation Collective way that everything holds together, right? Incarnation, passion, resurrection, everything else in between. Always kind of keep that in mind when you're thinking about incarnation only or resurrection only. Try to keep working on how all the puzzle pieces fit together. Um, I find that to be useful. God bless you all. Okay. See you.